0: Welcome to the the Saturday morning meetup. Um, I think we have uh, at least one new face here, possibly two. Um, So uh, great to see you. And uh, so this is um, a QA and a place, not a lecture place. I'm not going to lecture you. Uh, And I do record this. So if you don't want your question or answer recorded, just let me know and I'll pause the recording. And uh, a couple other things. The, um, if you click down on the participant button at the bottom and look to the right, you'll see you have the option to raise your hand, and that's how we um, that's how we indicate that we want to talk, so that everybody doesn't talk at once. So, does anybody want to talk?
1: Ed, there's a little bit of a back-end sound. I don't know if that's on my end or your end I'm hearing. Uh, Are
0: you hearing, like, wind or, like, static or what?
1: I think maybe somebody's microphone wasn't muted, but it sounds okay now. Okay. I thought maybe it was your microphone doing that thing that Sam's always does.
0: The Darth Vader effect?
1: The transformer voice. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, nothing wrong with funny noises as long as you're talking. Not that I'm trying to imply anything. Oh yeah, Colleen. Everybody's being very quiet this morning. Oh, Barbara's got her hand up.
2: Yay!
3: So I'll go for it. All okay. right. <laughs> um, I uh, I have been wanting some guidance about distractions. Um, I have. I think I told you in the email that I originally that I've been doing TMI for about two and a half years, just on my own, through, by the book. Huh. And I felt at one point like I had gross distractions under control, but as I progress, I think I'm getting more um, sort of discerning about the distractions, and I had moved myself into stage six, but mm-hmm. now... Wondering whether really I don't have gross distractions under control. So could you talk a little bit about? I mean, I think I know technically what they are, but in in experience, what what is a gross distraction and what is a subtle distraction?
0: Um, that's uh, it's always a judgment call. I mean, distractions are always more or less, but. Um, You know, the one thing that I would say is sort of characteristic of a gross distraction is A, that it sticks around, um, and B, that it uh, takes up more attention than the breath. So a gross distraction would feel a bit like mind wandering. And a gross distraction, you basically like, if you find yourself like what's really happening right now is that, you know, you're trying to follow the breath, but really you're thinking about, blah whatever blah is that's a gross distraction um subtle distractions are actually kind of more interesting right they come in all kinds of different forms um there's little like the ones that just sort of happen and go away instantly without providing any continuity so they don't want to continue they just happen and go away you don't really have to do anything about them unless you're in stage six um and then there are subtle distractions that um are really exciting and and like you totally want to follow them and you don't because your practice is going well. Um, and you know, I suppose the difference in gross distractions is there are like gross distractions that are sort of happening, but you're not struggling with them and they're not really pulling you away from the meditation. They're just kind of continuing, um, versus subtle distract or gross distractions that, um, actually suck you in and really want to be the main thing that's going on and continue to be the main thing that's going on until they're done at which point uh you could find up either mind wandering or going back to the object but maybe a better question to ask is like what's actually happening what's making you feel like your gross distractions have come back
3: well i i and i wouldn't say they've come back it's just that what my experience is i'm now starting to wonder if they are gross distractions so I I don't mind wander unless I'm having a particularly challenging sit. Um, but thoughts come up, and I'm trying to figure out where is my attention going. Is it that thought in awareness, or is it, or am I paying attention to it? So if I if my attention very quickly goes to it, is that a gross distraction?
0: No, I mean if it goes and comes back, no.
3: Okay, so it has to almost go into mind wandering before it would be considered a gross distraction.
0: Well, I mean, the big distinction between mind wandering and gross distraction is just that in mind wandering, you're not um, you're not aware that you're supposed to be meditating. Basically, when you're mind wandering, you're just like thinking about you know what you're going to have for breakfast or whatever. Um, so,
4: go ahead.
3: can I have a follow up question of real quick? And I'll be done. Um, so, in, in, and of course the reason I'm asking these questions is because I wanna be doing the appropriate practice for wherever I am that particular day and in general. So how, how long does Chula DASA want you to be able to maintain a att- stable attention for you to have achieved the goal for a particular stage, like four or six, which deal with distractions? Is it a whole hour, which is what I tend to sit is for an hour.
0: Well, I mean, so that's one way to, to look at it. But um, Chuladasa actually has expressed some regret about um, uh, Making the the, uh, you know, the the criteria for, for saying you finished a, a stage quite as as well. First of all, for using the term mastery. Um, because uh, It's not really the case that you've mastered a stage and like you haven't really mastered stage four, maybe until you get to stage 10. So, yeah, so like, yeah, I know people who, who, um, have gone through all of the stages and then wound up going back and like fine tuning their, their practice on, at each of the previous stages because they felt like they didn't have it quite right and seen significant changes in, even though they were at stage 10, I mean, they were experiencing stage 10 meditation. Um, like uh, one of my teacher and training students was talking about how he'd gone through the whole process all the way up to stage seven and he knew what physical appliance he felt like and it was amazing and all of this stuff. And then he went back and redid everything and got back to stage 10. And he said his experience of physical pliancy was so much better. And that doesn't mean that his experience of physical pliancy before wasn't physical pliancy or that it wasn't really good. It's just that what he got to after remastering all the stages, so to speak, was that much better. So so you, you shouldn't really feel like your goal is to like get each stage to the point where it's perfect before you move on to the next one, because what will happen is, as you go to the later stages, you'll find that you now have tools for fine tuning the earlier stages that you didn't have when you were at the earlier stages. So there's no way really, practically speaking, that you can master the early stages until you've gone beyond them. Um, So with that said, um, advice that I give, which may or may not be good advice, I make no promises, is that um, if you uh, are curious about whether you should be going on to the next stage. Just go on to the next stage. If you're curious about whether the stage that you're at is a stage that you ought to be practicing at, see what's happening. Like if you're practicing at stage six, are you able to do the the, the breathing with the body practice? Um, when you do the breathing with the body practice, uh, is it consuming all available attention? Like to the point to the point. where right. So 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 then it may be that. If you if you're having trouble getting it to to uh, consume all available attention, it could be that uh, that you're doing it wrong right Or it could be and by wrong, I just mean in a way that's not working uh, or it could be because everybody's different so what's right for someone else might not be right for you. Um, so, so that's one thing to look for Another thing to look for is maybe you haven't really overcome uh, subtle dullness enough to do the practice uh, fully. And so maybe you need to work on your stage five practice and then go back to, your, I, I'm not, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just saying the thing to do is be experimental about it. Like, like see what you can change. The other thing is, um, I don't know have you had any experiences where things have really shifted a lot, like, like where, where like awareness has become different for you or anything like that.
3: Yes. Um, okay. i just finished uh, in June my first retreat. I did it with Shenzhen Young, mm-hmm. and I had some really great experiences during that retreat where I feel like I really kind of, I don't think I've achieved single-pointed concentration. That's really not what Shenzhen works on anyway, but right. uh, but I did have some experiences that felt much more advanced. Mm-hmm. And sure. Mm-hmm. sure, go ahead. I, I've, I've continued to have some of them, but not as not as often and not as strong as during yeah.
0: the- so one thing that could also be going on for you by the way chuladasa would chuladasa really doesn't like the term single-pointed concentration so just so you know he's also not teaching single-pointed concentration
3: okay um, what, is, what is stage six
0: so stage six is not single-pointedness stage six is um exclusivity so so uh so, what that means is that your your awareness isn't moving to other objects, right at all. and And in order for that to be happening, it has to be the case that the um, and by the way, well, so I'll, I'll go into that in a minute, but but so so in stage six, uh, you're you shouldn't be experiencing attention moving to other objects, even blipping to other objects. So, like if a thought comes up and you go to it and then come back. Uh, you you need more intensity your your your, your experience of, of breathing with the body needs to be bigger so that so that there just isn't room for that to happen that's the whole point of the breathing with the body practice um, and so like when you're doing the breathing with the body practice if it's not big enough then you could try working on the four elements practice while while doing breathing with the body um, hmm. oh uh, so Michael added some some uh, some stuff to link. So that's one thing to think about. Um, but the other thing is that, um, oh, so, so the point is that when you're, when you're in stage six and you're, you're doing breathing with the body and your attention is, is not moving to other objects, doesn't mean that, that, that you're not aware of anything but what's in attention. And that's the distinction that Chuladasa wanted to make when he said, don't think of it as single pointedness. It's not that there's nothing that you're aware of but the thing that's in attention because attention and awareness are two different things attention is stable awareness is still aware of everything else um, and you know at some point you get to pacification of the senses but even then you're still aware of the sense objects it's just that the sense objects are now nimittas rather than um rather than uh you know actual sense objects so so for example the the nimitta of light would be the visual nimitta the, the nimitta of sound would be the audio the the, the the nimitta of your ear sense and so forth Um, so, and you might feel like you're, you're in a space that's like, it feels like a space, but there's, you're not experiencing any sensory input from the space. And that's another, it's like a body nimitta. So, so these are all, um, uh, these are all things that, that, that that you would be experiencing when you're meditating. Um. Yeah. the other thing that I wanted to mention, though, is that if you have a shift where where awareness becomes more dominant than attention, then you may have to go back and readjust your earlier stage practices. Um, because uh, When attention is dominant. It's really obvious that attention is wandering, right You know your, your your whole experience is attention with a little bit of awareness. And so when attention like goes galloping off after some thought you feel it galloping off after the thought, and you're like, "Ooh, you know, pulling in the reins." Uh, but if you, uh, if your, if your experience is dominated by awareness, and attention is just something that's happening in awareness and not even like the main event anymore, then attention could go galloping off, and you're still meditating, and you know you're meditating, and nothing has really changed except that attention has gone galloping off. And so, keeping attention reined in when awareness is that way is. Different, and if you've learned to keep attention reined in by being by having that really keen awareness that attention is wandering around, that won't work anymore. Okay. And so you need to just... That's adjust.
3: very helpful. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thank you.
0: Sure. And by the way, um, uh, there are several people here who may also be able to speak to your experience. Who uh, are welcome to
5: to chime in if you feel like it. Yeah, I should say something for a second. I think this is in actually the document that Michael posted a link for, which is really good. Uh, The criteria I like for switching between stages or moving to the next one is this 80% rule, which is uh, if 80% of the time in 80% of your sits, you're meeting the mastery criteria, then that's a good time to move on to the next one. Uh, Like I found I, and I moved out of stage four, I could never, I don't think there was a sit where I could go a whole hour with literally zero gross distractions. And that seems like an unreasonable criterion. but I think like 80% of the time I didn't have any. Uh, and that was happening in like, let's say like four out of five sits or something like eight out of 10 sits. Um, that seems good enough for me. Uh, and that's the criteria that, I think that criteria was written by Philodasa somewhere, maybe in that document, but that's a good, uh, good heuristic.
1: In that uh, Reddit post, it wasn't, it doesn't mention the 80% rule, but I think that's really a nice rule. I don't, I haven't seen, have,
4: have I seen that before?
1: I'm not sure about it. I think applying it to uh, a few days, like certain days rather than as a percentage of the each individual sit is a nice way to go about it too.
0: Yeah, you're definitely not going to have perfect sits every day.
4: Yes, uh, I am not sure how to understand such a recommendation because my experience is that even uh, one seat can be, uh, I can experience two, three stages. I can start with stage six. After, I don't know, forty minutes, I can find myself in higher stage. And then after, if it's for example, a very long seat, after one and a half hour, I can be, oh, oh there, where are these all of these cross distractions coming? Where is my breath? And mm-hmm. i okay. <laughs> so I, I try to switch to something uh, of, of the lower stage and practice. So I think it's really more of what is, what is it right now? And then then applying that uh, right practice, which yep. I think is good.
0: Yeah, so the, the, one, the one thing of, so there's actually two things to observe about what you just said, Peter. One is that um, if it takes you 40 minutes to get to, to um, from sort of your default stage to the next stage up, it might be interesting to observe what's going on that's changing at 40 minutes. Cause it's a very typical thing that your meditation will get, suddenly get deeper at about 40 minutes. Like you're not the first person that I've heard mention that. And I've had that experience too. Um, so like, what is it that, that that's shifted and is there a way to, uh, to notice that shift earlier and have the shift happen earlier? Um, sorry, go ahead.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, Yeah. I think that it's uh, usually some uh, content which kind of asking for attention (laughs) and and it takes uh, it some time before uh, uh, it kind of is trying and trying and trying and and I'm like going back and going back and going back and then eventually gives up (laughs) or maybe uh, some I don't know maybe that's something like that.
0: So that sounds like a classic stage six symptom, right?
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so then, so then, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there may be there may be a, a giving of permission happening that you could not do. Do you see what I mean? Like 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 it may be that there's a part of you that is giving that thought permission to to be urgent.
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I noticed that. Yes. It's. Uh, yeah. I, I still uh, am kind of. Trying to find that place where I am. Yeah, the uh, yeah. Yeah, I I need to think a little bit about articulating it right. But yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: So does anybody wish to speak or ask questions?
6: Yeah. Hey. Hey. Uh, um, I actually had like um maybe one small question about my practice, but also a discussion point. But um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Uh, I also wanted to um see what uh, Sam and Gilbert knew about this, but um, I um I was wondering because um. When I talk to Tucker, um he he says um but well, he believes that like um uh, third path is is not a thing. And that um oh. he um he sees third path though as like the um where you don't have any negative emotions anymore. Um and maybe that's a, a high criteria for third path. That sounds um, like fourth path. <clears throat> Well, yeah, he, he, he says that as like third path. So, um, and um, I was wondering what like your opinion is about this. And um, yeah, like w- if it is possible, and like what criteria do you like um, use for third path? Um, yeah, and so- how people get there then.
0: Yeah, I'm a terrible person to ask about this, but Chula Dawson is not, and he's spoken about this at quite a bit of length on, on various uh, Patreon meetups. So uh, so that would be one thing to, to look at. My, uh-huh. personal, my personal experience, uh, and by the way, I think you might also, Nate just miraculously showed up just after you stated your question, which I think Nate might be able to speak to as well, which is like, what the hell is third path and does it exist at all? Um, but I'll, I'll tell you from from my experience before before I let Nate have the floor because I'm just that kind of a floor hawk, that um, that uh, I'm a little puzzled about that too. But I don't really think that that um, that what Tucker is saying is correct. Um, the thing that I'm puzzled about is that my experience has been that um, a lot of the fetters feel like they're real things to me now. Um, and uh like i feel like i understand what the fetters of uh attachment to existence and attachment to non-existence are in a way that i didn't before um and uh you know i guess i'd have to go look at the list of fetters to those are the ones that have been obsessing me the most recently uh, but you know i mean it, the, the 10 fetters model is really is really like really seems to work for me. That doesn't mean that it's right or that it's the only good model, but, but if you're going by the 10 fetters model, then then uh, it does sort of make sense. I mean, to me, the thing that's interesting is like, what's the difference between first and second path? Because uh, they don't actually talk about a fetter dropping at second path, but suddenly the second path seems to be a thing. My theory about thats is that is that first path is sort of, uh, you start to to really experience Version in a different way, and second path is about experiencing desire in the same different way. But that's just my personal theory, which has no basis in scripture and is probably wrong. Um,
6: so what, what criteria do you use for the third path, then?
0: Well, so so let me just go look at the Wikipedia article. I actually uh, so because I, I can never remember all of the all of the fetters in order. Um, Okay, so four stages of enlightenment. Uh I use this chart a lot even though I think it's kind of annoying. Um so uh or, oh right, yeah, so sensual desire and ill will. Um yeah. Uh because, first of, sorry, go ahead.
6: Yeah, because um the way um Tucker frames it is this. Like first that you get a glimpse of uh or well you realize that there is no self. So Basically, after first pad, nothing changes except that you know it's like the ego is just like an illusion, mm-hmm. um, and then after second pad, there is a decrease in desire and aversion in mm-hmm. a way that you like. Oh, here's the desire, like you're seeing the the finger pointing,
3: and mm-hmm. then the desire
6: and aversion aren't that like bad anymore. Um, that's that's how he frames it, and um, then third pad would be like. I thought like no negative emotions and then that would be like just like emptiness all the time or
0: something. Mm -hmm.
6: Um, but, uh, yeah. So I was wondering like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll answer again briefly and then I'll let Nate talk, but uh, sorry about that. I'm not being anyway. So, so, so my experience of these, Thus far, which you know isn't necessary. I mean, I don't really claim to be on third path or necessarily second path. Although it sort of seems like I might be on second path, but um, but my experience of these is that is that each of these fetters becomes something that you know, right? It's something that's 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 you're suddenly aware of, like you're suddenly aware of sensual uh, desire in a different way than you were before, and you're suddenly aware of there's they're calling it ill will, but I would call it aversion. Mm -hmm. Um, In a way that you weren't before you're suddenly aware of the effect that these that these tendencies have on you. And so and and it's not to me, it doesn't seem wrong that there would be a second path where you where you become aware of desire and ill will and a third path where the effects of desire and ill will have dropped. Um, But The thing is the the the, um, the the last five fetters also seem real to me right like Maybe conceit is a little difficult for me because I think that's probably not a very good translation of whatever the Sanskrit or Pali word is. But uh, and you know six and seven the attachment to the formless John as they describe it as and the attachment to, to, the, to the, the sorry the the, the form realm um, to me those seem like they're just attachment to experience um, and they're they're very subtle forms of desire and ill will or desire and, and aversion right so. Attachment to existence is uh, wanting whatever is happening right now to continue. Attachment to non-existence is wanting whatever is happening right now to stop. Um, so you see, those are both examples of desire and aversion. Um, but this is me, not from the perspective of someone on fourth path. So what do I know? I'm definitely not on fourth path. I can say that with with, with convincing certainty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Having gone through all of that, um, I'm pretty sure that Nate will say something totally different and probably more correct. So, Nate, go ahead. Pressure's on.
7: Can I just uh, chime in quickly before Nate? Uh, so, we had the same discussion in our morning group, and one member who was uh, who is a little more uh, experienced said that that it it's not that you don't have negative emotions; you still have some pleasant, unpleasant reactions, but the resistance to these emotions, uh, and to these states goes away. So the pain is still present, but the resistance goes away. So yeah, that's, that's yeah.
8: So Jan, are you, are you wondering, like, if you have gone to third path, or if, like, third path exists?
6: Oh, uh, no, yeah, it's more like, um, so on retreat with Tucker, um, I hit second path. Um, but yeah, so he's, I, I w- it was more just curiosity, because um, he said, like, well, like a good thing to do now is um, to deepen the inside. And ways to do that is either by concentration or um, m- meta or um, more like um, body scanning for um, energy stuck in the body, um, emotional, that sometimes also emotional work. And I was just Curious, like, what are other people's view on like third path and fourth pad? Because at thicker, it like stops here, and honestly, like, just like, well, I like, yeah, I just want to know what what do other people think?
8: Yeah, I think I've heard on like, I think on the podcast he was on, he said like he hasn't met anybody like beyond second path. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's what his personal views on, and I think he disagrees with uh, or like he, him and Chlodousa have different views and uh Chilidasa is definitely like I've talked to people where they've spoken to Chlodousa in private and Chiladasa thinks that they're like third or fourth or more hmm. so i i guess then the question is like how how does he define it and i i don't really I, I don't have like a very strong criteria i feel like it's it has to do a lot with your subjective experience and how much you've integrated the insights into, like, your life. Like, Childasa is all about, like, traits in that, like, states that, these amazing states that you tap into. Um, but th- that being said, I, I so, like, the people I've talked to that, like, that claim that Chilidasa says, like, um, they are probably third or fourth or somewhere over second, like, they still experience, like, negative emotions. They just don't seem to experience it in different, like, they just don't seem to experience it in the same way, even though from the outside, we might think like, oh, those are negative emotions, that's suffering. Like they could, they could be sad, they could be agitated, they could be um, frustrated and stuff like that.
6: Yeah, all uh, right, yeah. So I,
8: I guess another question you might have is, um, let's say if you are on second path, how do you get to third path? And I think, wait, go ahead. Yeah,
6: well, I'm I'm not in a hurry. So um yeah. Um I'm I'm like fine with the, the meditation I'm doing now. Um but um i it was just more wondering and I'm also interested that mentioned the the podcast where Judassa talks about it. Um third So if anybody knows where that is, that would be awesome. Um but yeah, for just curiosity, yeah, I'm I'm like how how do we how do you do that
3: then
8: yeah if i remember correctly i think like at some point like one of his students asked him that like oh he's like he said like he's on second path how do i get to third path and i think there. my, my personal feeling is there are like two main components this is my personal take now like i don't really know but um there's like you getting the insights being deep enough or like you getting that um inside experience like that really like hits hard and then you need to let those like permeate your, all your minds. Like you need to integrate that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So like, I don't know if there's a, but okay. I think we can, I can try to look it up later, but I think Chiladasa says like, Oh, like uh, meditating on the mind. That's like a very good one. Like uh, it says, yeah, to track down any like, uh, like that sense of self. And I think he also says like try to just like track down all like um, all types of craving and aversion in like your life, and he says like hunt for them or something like that. It's it's very interesting.
6: Okay. Yeah, that sounds very s- similar to um, what Zucker thinks of like integrating the inside, um, but I think he uses them different techniques to integrate it. But um, yeah, maybe both work.
8: Yeah, I think I mean, that's actually pretty cool. Um, I think like what he said, um, doing body scanning to help like unblock stuff or meta, those all sound like uh, pretty good things to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean the 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 scanning for for uh, scanning the body for uh, energetic stuff has been. I don't. I, I guess I don't actually go hunting for it. I just notice it when it comes up, and and I'm like excited, and and really want to it apart. So um, that that for me has been very fruitful. Um, I mean, right now I sort of feel like I'm kind of wandering the in, in the desert. Like I don't really know what to do next. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, and I don't really. I won't say I don't care because I don't think that's exactly right. But I don't feel like there is a problem. Like yeah. it sort of feels like wandering the desert is the right thing to do. Yeah so and that may just be because there's a part of me that doesn't yet want to come out of the desert i don't know but
6: (laughs) yeah it could be but i yeah i actually i have the same feeling and like the the body scanning thing i actually had to like cry two times during the meditation in the last two weeks so it was like nice i I, like more stuff getting purified and um yeah so yeah, I got exactly the same feeling.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can also like, like, so I was, uh, I, I might've mentioned this on a previous call. I was, I was working on uh, a fanfic a while back and I was finding that every time I wrote a chapter in the fanfic at the end of the chapter, I would be crying. And I was like, hmm, okay, this is sort of like journaling, right? Except I'm journaling for characters that aren't, aren't me. Of course, they're all me, right? Uh, where else would they be coming from? I mean, whatever me is. But uh, so, so I'm not saying you should start writing fanfic, but journaling um, is actually a thing that people talk about, like just just writing sort of spontaneously about what's going on uh, can be a way to access parts of your mind that aren't uh, coming up when you're exploring or when you're talking.
6: Okay, that's very interesting. Okay, that's very good. Uh, I'll definitely consider that. that. Is it just like during the day, like spontaneously? Or do you pick a moment where you do that?
0: Well, so for me, I, I, I I almost want to talk about this as if it's like an official practice, because it's been so helpful for me and for Andrea, because Andrea is writing her own fanfic right now. Um, And I, I think that there's something about actually trying to write fiction that just allows the parts of your mind that don't normally speak to come out and speak because it's okay. It's safe. You're just putting a character on the page. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be about this body. It doesn't have to be about me. It's just a story, and so it's it's safe to write whatever you want. And the thing is, as you're writing it, you realize, oh, I see how I'm connected to what I'm writing, right? So, like, you know, I, I Andrea started writing about Harry Potter as a um, uh, as an adult after the whole you know blow up with Voldemort thing, right? Whereas I started writing about Harry Potter as a child. Now, why did we both pick those two different things? I'm sure that Freud would have something to say about it. But but regardless, um, I found it very fruitful to write about Harry as a child. And Henry's been finding it very fruitful to write about Harry as an adult. So who knows? I'm probably working through some childhood stuff.
8: <laughs> so cool. Yeah. yeah, I think it's super interesting. It's like uh, Carl Jung used to do this thing where he, where he, um, he calls it like active imagination where you just sort of let the mind do whatever it does and you enter into this like imaginative world and um you dialogue with certain parts and like uh, or archetypes and they could be parts of your mind or whatever and um sometimes you don't know what exactly is going on but um they have their effects on and um yeah i'm also like i guess like Robert brevet's imaginal stuff like i've been exploring it for a little bit I feel like it has like similar elements. Like sometimes this mind just spontaneously kicks something up, like an image, a character, a memory, whatever, and you're free to play with it in whatever ways. And it might not be clear to you like why you're doing that or why the mind wants to do that. But sometimes you follow it for a while and then it becomes clear. Sometimes it doesn't become clear and things happen. And um, but but sometimes it's like um, just sort of doing it in a way that is like interesting. And uh, like giving it permission to do what it wants to do. It's like, I find it to be very interesting.
6: Okay. Cool. If no one wants to speak, I also have another question that I want to give like space for other people
0: too. Uh, uh, okay, let's, let's come back to you. So raise your hand
5: and uh, we'll go have Schulte go next. Uh, John if your question is on the same topic, you can just go ahead. Uh, if you want
6: to continue the same, same reading? Um, well, it's not about like paths, but it's more about like my own practice with um, body energies and stuff. So, um, are you sure? I mean, I, I've already spoke. So no,
0: yeah, yeah, that's fine. We we we've got several people online, so so
5: then I'll
0: might
5: as well do a cycle. Yeah, okay, I guess I'll go then. Raise um, so your hand, Jan. Uh, so I, uh, I did a retreat, a day-long retreat at home with uh, my girlfriend, Rochelle, who's... Uh, we sat for, I think, eight hours in total. This is the first time that I sat sort of a, an actual retreat schedule. And I got to say, it was... I think it was an experience that most people talk about for their first retreat, for their first day of a retreat, which was basically all pain, um, all dealing with pain and uh, like agitation. I, I guess I'm just wanna like, so I have some back pain that used to cause me a lot of problems. The retreat made it come back and seems to like have injured my back in a way that hurts when I get off the cushion and it just persistently hurts now for a few days. Um, and it's several days later now and it's still like, my back is still in like severe pain when I sit, just for my normal hour. Uh, I was wondering, is, is this typical, like, post-first-day retreat stuff? Um, like, my sits now, which are a few days out of the retreat day, um, they're, like, all agitation. Um, I have this, like, weird aversion to even sitting or to stabilizing attention. Uh-huh. The pain is, like, significant.
0: So can I ask you a little bit about the pain?
5: Yeah, sure, go ahead. Um,
0: so you say that there's pain. Does it feel like it's something that's been wrenched, or does it feel like
5: there's a muscle that's constantly tight? Um, there are knots in my back that okay. are hurt, and they hurt much worse now. Yeah,
0: so um, I am going to hazard a guess
5: that uh, you have hit a
0: purification. and that, So in other words, that your retreat was effective. The reason why this is happening, and uh, this is just a theory, um, I'm not saying don't get your back checked out because that's worth doing too, but um, I've definitely had the experience that that after doing something relatively intense, I access some new thing that suddenly causes some muscle in my body to start tensing continuously. And in your case, it sounds like this is an area that you were already aware of that's now tensing more. Um, and so uh, so you probably are in principle on the cusp of a purification. Um, whether you're going to be able to access that purification and release the energy, I don't know, but that's, that's what I would be doing right now. I would be exploring that energy. Like what the hell is going on here? Why is my back so tense? And not, not in the sense of like trying to have an answer to the question, but just in the sense of um, investigating, like, can I feel, Energy around this. If I, if I put my attention on the knot in my back. Can I feel energy that's connected to it. Can I feel intention that's connected to it. Um, So really investigate like on an energetic level. Uh, And when I say on an energetic level to me like I've gone through all kinds of phases of like what energetic means. But at this point, it feels to me like what it means is just like conditioning. So there's some conditioning that I'm theorizing is going off for you. And if you can explore Starting from where the pain is there is something here or here or here somewhere that's That's reaching out and touching that part of your body and activating it in a way And so if you go to the place where the activation is you may be able to back Out of that into where the energy is and if you can back out of that into where the energy is You may be able to release the energy or at least know the energy in a sense that allows it to soften. so um, so that's what I would suggest, and be prepared for the possibility that something will pop, and it will be quite, um, you know, intense. Uh, like, you know, having having your sweetie around while this is happening would not be a bad
5: thing. When uh, when you're having your experiences, Ted, did you have the pain outside of sits as well?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because because like whatever it is is like it knows that you're onto it. And it's like, okay, we're here, and yeah, it, it can be like I haven't I haven't had it persist um, uh, quite to the degree that you have, but um, I may have been through more purifications than you have at this point. So, so uh, and and uh, I, I may not have realized what was going on. This may have happened to me, and I didn't realize that that's what was happening to me. I, I definitely had an experience when I was in my twenties where I had some back pain that I now know was definitely the result of anxiety that, um, you know, I like went to a chiropractor and got it checked out. And she, she did a, she actually did a, a, a scan of, you know, a, what do they call it? A, an MRI of my whole body. And she, she said, your body's perfect. There's nothing wrong, right? There's nothing physically wrong. This is, this is, this is, ener-. she didn't, she didn't call it energetic, but, but basically that's what it was. Right. And and at some point, once I, once I understood that it wasn't in my body and that it was something that I was doing to myself, somehow that led to it releasing over the course of some amount of time. So, so yeah, I would investigate that. I mean, again, not to say that you shouldn't also approach it from the physical side because that's, that's there too. Um, you know, one thing you can do is, is, and one way you can discover the energy, by the way, is to try to, if you, if you find the knot and you can feel the knot, form an intention for the knot to relax and see what happens. Sometimes what will happen is that the energy that's causing the knot to be tense will suddenly become visible to you. I mean, not, you know, as a through your eyes, but (laughs) so, so, you know, play around with that and see what you find out.
5: Yeah, I'll investigate it. I have another question too, but I'll go to the end of the loop.
0: All right, so I'm going to lower your hand and then you should raise it again. now, Andrea, I noticed you raised your hand while Jolt was talking. Was it because you wanted to say something to him or did you just have a question?
7: Uh, I just had a question. So.
0: All right, all right. So we'll, we'll let Peter go first then.
4: Thanks. I uh, uh, I, I uh, was hoping for some clarification for me. I'm still kind of struggling with the understanding of the insight as a concept. And uh, now, so uh, first, my idea was originally that it, must bring some fireworks and it must be like uh, something very intense and supernatural and so on. Uh, but right now, uh, my understanding is there that the, the main sign of it is the change of viewpoint. Uh, like they say now, uh, I read it before, but now how I understand is that uh, and, and I think um, my experience is such that, for example, um, when uh, I see an version coming, I see something happened, I see a version raised. And for me, for example, usually it's just checking, oh, that's just another formation. And and, and for me, and then it's just, yeah. Down. yeah. And, and this I noticed uh, in the last month a lot that I'm getting better at that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that Usually, it's super simple during the day when there's something arise, I just realize, oh, that's another formation, and it breaks down. Mm-hmm. So would that be? So I so that coming back to that uh, question is the. So that I understand it because another thing is uh, um, that I understand insight can again be like demonstrate differently, um, and again I might not have f- full uh, understanding and knowledge to, to recognize them, but. Uh, yeah. For example, one example which comes to my mind was recently I was sitting and then uh and I just uh, and there was thought which appeared and and the thought was like and know thought yeah it was thought which articulated um uh that uh, that the sense of observer is just another experience yes and and it was for me like obviously I felt like yes and but there were no fireworks so right. I was hesitant, I was like okay is this is a thought is it the the manifestation of insights. I don't know. Uh,
0: that's so annoying. <laughs> 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 yeah. So so I mean I, I you know I don't want to I don't want to like diagnose your 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 situation because it's it's always it's always hard to say exactly what's going on. But um, Andrea actually, when we were we we, we led a finders course in twenty seventeen, and she actually did a diagram of how she thinks that this happens based on Chula Das's model of how the mind works. Mm -hmm. Uh, And her idea is that insights can happen in consciousness or they can happen in the unconscious mind. And uh, if an insight happens in the unconscious mind, it can be just as effective as an insight that happens in the conscious mind. But you don't see it. You, You don't have like some, you know, like cessation or, oh my God, I just realized that everything's different or whatever, you know. And so, um, and, you know, I can say from my experience, I mean, I had an experience before which I was like, you know, nothing, nothing seems to be happening. And, and then I was like, wait a minute, why do I think that nothing seems to be happening? And then after that, things were different. And, um, and so for me, there were some fireworks, but they weren't like, you know, oh, I suddenly realized the truth of all existence or something like that. It was just, like something changed, I knew something changed. I couldn't tell you what it was that had changed until I started observing how my behavior and my reactions changed. so suddenly, like things that previously would have upset me weren't upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you know at first and you I don't know you this has been going on for a while for you, right? yeah yeah so so at first, my experience was like I would be in traffic and I would notice. That I would be in I would have the, the the impulse of annoyance at somebody doing something that I didn't like but rather than it being something that would continue the impulse would just come up I would experience it I would ex- maybe even experience the negative emotions and then it would immediately drop and 30 seconds later I would have pretty much forgotten about it other than like wasn't it interesting that that just happened right um, And then that got to be, you know, for me, I I happened to be somebody who had a lot of like, you know, annoyance at people in traffic. I know that's unusual, but, but that's, that's who I was at the time. Um, And so, uh, so I noticed this happening. And I remember there was one day when I was driving along and I noticed that it didn't happen.
6: Mm -hmm.
0: And that could only happen because I was watching it so much that 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 had become a little bit of conditioning. Right. So I noticed that it didn't happen. And, um, and I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's a real change. But, uh, but that's, so for me, most of the changes seem to be just like noticing how my reactions changed Mm
4: -hmm.
0: and also noticing like, you know, I used to have a really strong fear of flying. Like every time I flew, I would be anxious when I was flying. I would notice what was happening with the airplane. I would have a very strong awareness of like, you know, if the, if the airplane, you know how airplanes sometimes do this, yawing? I would notice when the airplane yawed. I would notice when the airplane bumped up and down. I would notice like changes in pitch, like very keenly. And most of the time, any, any yawing would create anxiety and any bumping would create anxiety. Changes in pitch, not so much. Um, and I remember the first time after my experience in the Finder's course going on a trip and it was a long trip and, um, I was sitting in the airplane and, you know, usual things were happening and I was aware of what the airplane was doing, but I wasn't feeling any anxiety at all. It was like, it was honestly, it was weird. You know, I wasn't, I just wasn't feeling any concern about what was happening, like I wasn't worried that the airplane was going to crash and I was going to die. And it wasn't because I thought that, you know, the odds had changed in any significant way. It was just that the part of my mind that, that did the worrying wasn't active. So these are shifts that I experienced and, and, you know, Shuladasa and Jeffrey Martin both give similar advice, which is, you know, when a shift like that happens, it might be temporary. It might be stable. And whether it's temporary or stable is something you'll find out as time goes by you know, after a year or something like that. So,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, my mem- yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. uh, it's, sometimes I read people's experience about insights and, and, and I'm wondering like how how they can like so clearly see through it and yeah. that, understand that this is it. And, and it's like they're watching the TV or someone told them, oh, this is it, it just happened. And... Yeah this is what happened but it's so much conceptualization yeah and i i don't have that so i'm that's why i'm a little bit yeah on the other hand i can see changes of the viewpoints in myself and and so that's why i wanted to kind of confirm that um i understand that i have a right view on that yeah yeah
0: i think i think that makes sense um you know, there's a certain there's a certain aspect of Andre calls it survivorship bias, where like you know, if you go through an experience that's just like the experience your teacher went, then you recognize it. You're like, oh, that's it, and it might not even be it, right? Like my teacher, uh, my 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 Tibetan teacher was really into cessations. Like if you have a cessation, that's it. You're done. You you, you entered the path of seeing. Uh, well, Chuladasa says actually, and I don't I don't. Have personal experience to support this, but Jhula says that you know you can have a cessation and have it not produce insight, mm-hmm. and you can also have a cessation and have it produce insight. The question is whether there's a fruition afterwards, and then he gets all technical about fruitions. But um, fruitions are the are the change in the in the unconscious mind that that produces the shift in uh, you know the states versus traits thing, it produces the, the the new traits. Um, uh, the, the other thing I wanted to just mention briefly is that the intellectual stuff that's really typical. Um, hmm. when you've had a realization, uh, even if you don't have a clear, like suppose you were to have like a clear experience of, of, of no self would the experience be, Oh, look at that. There's no self. No, Of course not. Is that's conceptual. Mm -hmm. the experience of no self itself would be just the experience of no self. And then you would have a a conceptual explanation of it afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, um, so one of the things that was interesting for me after my experience, and it sounds like similar to something that you've been describing is that I would suddenly have like these intellectual understandings that were much clearer and much more seemingly accurate than the understandings that I had before the insight. So it wasn't that the insight itself was an understanding, rather it was that after the insight, suddenly I could understand things in a more visceral way, even though the understanding came out as an intellectual, conceptual description of what had happened. So, so, you know, what you were describing, noticing that that, that the, uh, uh, the experience of itself is no different than the experience of a light turning on is, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a really cool thing. And, 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 and you probably wouldn't, like you might, you might have had that experience before you had whatever insight led to it, but the experience wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have thought about it and been like, oh, yeah, obviously. But rather, wow, isn't it interesting? I wonder if that's true. you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know it. You would just think it. Whereas now you probably know it.
4: Yeah, that there was there was at that time there was another thing that uh was, um sure how to put it to words, but um that the fact that uh that 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 it's it's uh, that there is that it's just uh, um, another experience and that uh otherwise the rest of me and the things are just happening or uh, was kind of um, very, uh, I don't know how to say reassuring, but it was. I could see like the thing, I, I, it's hard to me. Now I don't have that feeling anymore. But it mm-hmm. it was like, I think a few hours after that, I had a little bit different viewpoint, which now I heard our time to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some. Um, it, it was the, the fact that it, it was just another experience, and therefore there is no self. Now I'm conceptualizing it a lot, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm uh, comfortable with that saying it like this because it's not accurate. Yeah. But it, it was there was something a little bit more. Now it's now it's gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's um, I I've I've heard many people describe this that there's kind of a honeymoon experience, and I had the same thing where like when right after the insight happens, there's a there's a tremendous amount of clarity, mm-hmm. and then um, that doesn't stay, right? It, it sort of drops off like, like there's like because what's, what's going on is that all of the, all the parts of the mind that are active at the moment that the insight happens remain active for a while, remain engaged. and so that feeling of insight remains. But then the rest of the mind starts to pick at it and, it, you know, and, and so it kind of fades a little bit. But as long as the core is strong enough, mm-hmm. that the insight carries forward and after a while it starts to spread back out. And so the, that, that experience we had right at the beginning, starts to manifest again it starts to, you start to have the same experience again so you know that's that's not unusual i mean yeah. what i said is just my theory about how it works i don't know that that's true
4: mm-hmm. but
3: if you like it
4: intellectually it makes sense <laughs>
0: yeah yeah exactly so uh let's let's let andrea go just in case she has to leave soon thank you
7: sure okay so i have a few questions the first one uh, uh popped um a few moments earlier when you were talking about back pain uh, i also am dealing with a lot of back pain sciatica in both my legs mm. and it's it's been almost like two years and i'm practically disabled because of it and we've done tests and x-rays and mris are normal and i don't have infla- inflammatory disease or rheumatism related i don't have Fibromyalgia. So I'm wondering, like, if if this is maybe um, emotionally uh, related. If you have any thoughts on how to work with that to release the tension or something?
0: Yeah. So um, so, are you able? When you sit, do you sit um, on a cushion or do you sit in a chair or what?
7: Yeah, I sit in a really comfortable chair with three pillows. Uh, So I'm usually not in a lot of pain. It depends on how awake I want to be. If I'm really up, I have some pain, but no strong dullness. But if I have some pain, I go back down and then I'm dealing with some more dullness. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it depends on the day.
0: Okay. So um, I I, I suspect other people will have ideas and I encourage you to speak up, but... um, what I would personally suggest you do is um, Try to uh, take the the basically try to do something like what I what I was uh, describing to uh, to jolt um, Where you Put your attention on the pain. And uh Actually, it's a little different than what I described to Joel, because uh, for you, the pain isn't muscular right it feels like nerve pain if it's it's sciatica so um, So if that's the case, then put your attention on the pain and then Or actually don't even put your attention on the pain, put your attention on the reaction to the pain. Um, And Try to identify where the resistance to the pain is like there's a there. See if there's a part of you that wants the pain to go away and see if you can find that part of you and allow it to relax. Um, And don't get too attached to actually finding it and knowing what it is, because that probably won't happen. What, what really is going on is when you set an intention to discover that, uh, that the whole of your unconscious mind takes it on as a task. And then, um, And then some part of your unconscious mind may identify where the, where the, whatever's going on is going on. And once that is seen, the mind may automatically release it or it may not. I mean, it's the, the, the challenge with this is uh, the challenge with this is that you have to um, uh, not care, right? You have to not be attached to the pain going away in order for this to occur as long as you're attached to the pain going away, it won't happen. Um, and that's a very difficult, you can't really do that. It just has to happen. Um, so, uh, so see if you can just go and, uh, and find the resistance as a, as a task and see if that changes anything. Um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't actually talked to anybody with your specific symptoms, so I don't know. Whether this would be effective, but, uh, but anything that's sort of nervous if you can stop caring about it. Like if there's not not any actual problem there, but it's just You know, some kind of feedback loop or something. If you could stop caring about it, then, then it, it Can make the problem not a problem anymore, even though the thing is still happening. Like I have tinnitus in my ears and there was a period where I felt really upset by that. And it was a huge problem for me. And then at some point um, during my practice, I think I was at stage three or four, um, I just started uh, trying to uh, be okay with the tinnitus being there and not resist it. And at some point after that, it stopped being a problem. And and I couldn't even tell you when that happened. But I don't know. See, See if that helps.
7: Okay, thank you. Uh, I will actually, um, when when the pain started, I was still meditating with headspace. Mm. uh, And it brought some purifications, like a lot of anger, I was so angry then. And then I stopped meditating. And, um, and when I started with TMI, the anger released. And I think that it's a bit better now, but it may be better also because I'm exercising with the therapist. Mm -hmm. So I'm not entirely sure. But I will try I will try to work with the resistance. I can usually locate it. So uh, Mm -hmm. thank you. Um, I have another question. And it's related uh, exactly with the resistance and sending meta when people say send meta to the resistance or the feeling or so on. Like it's hard for me to imagine how this would look like. Because if you say, you cannot say, be safe, be well, and send it to the Uh feeling. Like the thing I do, and it's taken from Headspace, is that I imagine that like I open the door for the feeling and invite it in and say, you're welcome to stay as long as you want. And then I say to myself, this is normal. And also other people go through this, but I'm not sure if it's constitutes as meta. So yeah, maybe some thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that's not a bad approach. The welcoming it in thing. Um, the other thing that I would maybe suggest is—you uh, uh, might have heard me talk about this last week—that—that—that that, um, that there is this animal that that is inside of us that is us in a sense, but but also it doesn't feel like it's exactly us. And um, getting in touch with that can can be helpful. In in this case, I would suggest that. Uh, if you can, if this works for you, think of, think of the feeling, whatever it is, as like a little animal and see if you can cuddle the animal, like, like, in other words, like create this feeling of warmth and comfort. So not just opening the door and welcoming it in, but going even farther than that and making it, making it be like a little, like as if your cat came into the room and you have, you have your cat and it's settling with you or something like that. So give it that feeling of like safety and warmth and comfort. Um, that's, I mean, that's just one. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. It's just an approach. Uh, you may have to just be creative. Uh, this is one that's that that happens to resonate for me. I like cats. What can I say?
7: <laughs> so. so like a mental hug. for Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Or like you could think of it as like a baby or so if that imagery works for you or is like, you know, whatever, whatever imagery works for you.
7: Yeah. Cats are great. So cats are definitely. Right. <laughs> that, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you.
0: Um,
6: <clears throat> I also have one from Opali, um, where you do like an open awareness meta, and then it's like wherever your attention goes to, you just accept it. So it's more like, oh, well, this is happening. That's okay. And the next thing is happening. Oh, that's also okay. And just like whatever feeling comes up, it's all fine. You don't have to change anything. just This is okay. That's okay. And you do that.
7: Or oh, you do like this um, internal verbalization? or you can
6: do that, yeah, if you like to. Um, you don't have to. Um, but if you like to, yeah, you can say to yourself, yeah, this is okay. And then yeah, you can even smile I sometimes uh, yeah, give that advice well. but yeah,
0: something like that.
7: Okay, thank you.
0: Yeah, verbalization can be very helpful for getting your unconscious mind on board with things. So if that works, you should definitely do it.
7: Yeah, I find, like, the verbalization and maybe the somatic components are the easiest. So Mm -hmm. I can, like, really imagine, like, hugging or inviting the feeling and so on. So, yeah, and verbalizations help. So, yeah.
1: Can I add a clarifying question on this topic let's see um i remember in the past ted you said about not sitting through pain too much because you've known someone who damaged their body by doing that yeah and i said and now i'm hearing things like try not to care and and accept it and love it, and i'm And maybe for people who don't have a diagnosed issue um, or they're not sure what the issue is. I don't know if that's the advice that's specific for them. I do have with my first meditation retreat coming up and I do have a scoliosis in my back. So Hmm. uh, I am concerned. Yeah. (laughs) If I go there and just tough it out or not even necessarily tough it out, but just try to stick with it. And I don't really, it's making me pretty nervous now hearing these, issues
0: so uh scoliosis i i I don't actually know what what happens when you have scoliosis i would sort of assume that you have uh muscle balance issues because of it and so some muscle will wind up being more tense than the other muscle or something like that because of the, the the irregularity of the spine um And, uh, so it would be really bad if you sat in a way that caused, uh, damage. Right. And that's not what I'm suggesting that Jolt do, for example, or, you know, in Andrea's case, she's, she's sitting very comfortably, but she can still access the pain it sounds like. So, um, so the point is not to just endure like intense pain. If you're experiencing intense pain, um, it's good to figure out what's going on and what you need to change, if anything, to do something about it. Um, and certainly uh, as, as I said to Jolt, I mean, you know, if it were, if I were in his shoes, uh, I would be seriously looking at whether this is a physical ailment or whether this is a, uh, a mental thing. And I kind, of, I kind of hit harder on the mental thing because it kind of sounded like it was. But you'll notice that I also said that doesn't mean you shouldn't get your back checked out. Right? So um, the particular instance that I was talking about with pain was a friend of mine who was sitting through knee pain. So his posture wasn't quite right. He was sitting for very long periods. It was causing pain in his knees, and he was ignoring the pain. And it was not pain that was being caused by Muscle tension that was coming up during the sit. It was pain. It, it wasn't something that, that he would have been experiencing when he wasn't sitting, right? So Jolt's symptoms are occurring when he's walking around in the world. Um, and it sort of sounds like they're not an injury, but rather a, a, a muscle tension thing. Um, and so you should definitely like evaluate whether, it, like, if you're experiencing pain while you're sitting, is it the result of uh, of an injury, or is it the result of uh, holding a muscle in tension for too long? And uh, it's good if you can I- identify what those two different feelings are. Uh, holding a muscle in tension for too long has a very distinctive feeling that I think anybody who's been meditating for a while is probably knows about, even if they haven't identified it specifically. Um, and so it can be worth exploring that and seeing if you can if you can get familiar with that feeling. Um, and if you're holding a muscle in, in tension for a really long time, I am definitely not saying that's not a problem, right? One of the ways to, to, to work with it is to actually intentionally try to release the, the tension in the muscle. Um, when you do that, there's a pretty good chance that you will suddenly find yourself aware of whatever is triggering the muscle tension. You won't necessarily know like, oh, that's because that kid beat me up when I was in second grade. You'll just know that there's like some thing going on in your body and you'll feel it energetically, right? So, um, but definitely don't do the thing where you're just like, oh, you know, I'm going to ignore the pain. That's definitely not what I'm suggesting here, right? If you're investigating the pain closely um, and trying to release muscle tension, you'll probably come to a realization oh this is not muscle pain this is this is joint pain or this is you know like there's some misalignment here like you're you're not going to you're not going to be if you if you're closely looking at the pain you're you'll probably be able to 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 have a sense of what's physically causing it and the thing the thing that my friend did that injured him was that he was aware that his knee was out of alignment, but he figured that if he just kept going, it would be okay. Don't do that. If you notice that your body is out of alignment, figure out what you need to do. Like, especially when you're doing a meditation retreat, the last thing you want is, even if it's not a permanent injury, the last thing you want is to temporarily injure yourself in such a way that you can't continue to sit for the rest of the retreat. That would totally suck. Don't do that. Does that help?
1: Yeah, that helps. I think the part of my worry is I sit in a chair to meditate. So I'm going to be kind of at the mercy of whatever chair they're going to give me when I go there um, and not knowing uh, exactly what it what it's going to be like and how my body's going to fit with it. This uh, is a Goenka retreat, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're They're like nuts with pillows. Like they'll give you all the stuff you need to adjust your chair position to be just the way it needs to be. Don't worry too much. Okay. But, you know obviously do that. Don't, don't just like make the best of whatever you get, but, but do the thing where you adjust.
6: And I have scoliosis as well. Um, and, um, I know like from my physical therapist, she said like, um, it's actually good to sit up straight all the time, but it will hurt. Um, and that, that is the case. Um, you will not damage your back and will even be beneficial for your back to do it but you will have that pain and it it can help in a way to produce insight and um, see what pain really is and uh, where the aversion comes from and that kind of stuff. Um, so in that way, it can really help. But you can also take breaks and just do lying down meditation, for example. Um, maybe in the beginning of the retreat, you fall asleep during lying down meditation, but later on, um, it usually won't happen. Um, so yeah, it probably isn't a bad thing. If if it's starting to hurt and you can investigate your reaction to it
0: as well.
1: Thank you. Thanks for sharing.
0: Andrea, was that, was that all you had or did you have more?
7: I have uh, one more question, but Jan, Yang can go first. So yeah. Okay.
6: All right. Um, Maybe there's no answer to this, but um, because I can recall, um, I'm doing that energetic body practice. And um, it is helping a lot. Um, And at the moment, I feel like more pressure behind my eyes. And it's more pressure in my face at the moment. And I can recall that that is mentioned here before. I was wondering, like, what, what specifics, what the specifics were? about that phenomena, or is it like, um, yes, a pattern in it, or?
0: It seems like a really common pattern. Um, And I tend to think that there is some resistance going on, and that's what's causing the feeling of pressure. Uh, And so generally, when I find that happening, what I do is try to just like investigate it and See if, see, if, um, see if it can kind of be spread out, like, you know, released out. <laughs> okay, Andrea. <laughs>
4: um, I do, yeah, a, so. I do, I do, do exactly the exactly same because I also uh, feel the pressure in this area. And usually what helps me is to start with the whole body breathing and then bring, uh, after a while bring the attention uh, in that area. And just try to let it go, and just like feel like breathing through this area, and it usually dissipates. It just usually disappears, and usually then I kind of achieve a fortless, uh, a fortness fortlessness. Uh, so I kind of link it to it, uh, but that 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 what helps. Um, what helps me maybe it's, uh, can be useful to you too.
6: Yeah, I was wondering if if because it's very common if it's like a purification that a lot of people have in that area or maybe something else. And I, I couldn't recall what was mentioned here about But
2: I've
0: think- heard a million theories. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing that I would suggest is, uh, don't think of it as a problem, right? Just think of it as a phenomenon. Um, And I'm saying that as much to Peter as to you, but uh, one thing that I've done when this happens, I I, I investigated in a variety of ways. One of the ways I investigated is to try and just kind of loosen it and spread it out. Another way that I investigated is to try and just find the, the the feeling of pleasure or joy in it. Um, And uh, that can be really fruitful too. So, so I would not say, I would not try to treat this as, you know, as just like one thing that you have to do one way, but like, just really be, interested in it and and see what you see about it and don't uh you know first don't 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 make it into a problem because it's not a problem it's just something that's happening um like investigate it the same way you might investigate pain and see see what you can learn about it see what's there um and then you know continue doing your practice
6: yeah yeah that 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 was what i was doing exactly but but just curious if there was like a pattern or something that was spoken yeah. about. here, but uh, <laughs> now Your eye
0: just opened.
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. That would be really cool. Uh,
8: but now interject, yeah. uh, what, uh, what energetic practice are you doing? Um, I'm basically, um, what I'm
6: doing at the moment is basically get a bit of concentration at the tip of the nose. And then do a body scanning, so I'm going through my body and try to, like, scan for um, tension or like energy, energetic sensations. And when I like um, feel those, then I um, try to like breathe in there and uh, put my attention on those sensations, and then um, yeah, stay there and try to see if anything happens comes up. Okay. And. Yeah, it, it, it kind of works because I had like cried two times in the last two weeks during meditation, which usually is a sign of like, um, yeah, stuff coming up or going away in the, in the, in that sense. So it's, yeah, it really works well.
8: Yeah. I was curious cause, um, like, uh, some Daoist um, systems have different ways of like dealing with this. I was curious if whatever system you're practicing in have Different ways mm-hmm. of dealing with that, but yeah, that sounds sounds pretty cool.
0: Oh, um, one other thing that you might try on is um, I don't know, I don't know if this if this this may or may not resonate for you, but um, when you're having that feeling, see if you can put your attention on that feeling and then put your attention on your lower body at the same time. Um, okay, and just see if anything happens. Because um, I've, I've also found that, that in exploring this, that sometimes I can, because I, can, I, I tend to be like very much cerebral, very much in my head. And uh, so for me, it can be helpful to, to, uh, to increase my uh, sort of energetic connection to the rest of my body, that when this energy comes up here, if I can just put my attention, keep it in attention, but also expand my attention so that it includes more of the body that Often, what will happen is that I'll start to feel uh, energy lower in the body. So.
6: Yeah, I notice like a connection with the heart, mm-hmm. but I notice like my heart, like most of the time, like stuff happening there, like emotional stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Most most of it's happening in my heart, so I do notice a connection. But I'll try to do that more then.
4: Yeah, I uh, go
0: even lower, like to the navel, and even to the to the to the root.
6: Okay, okay, yeah, I can, yeah, cool. Thanks.
2: Sure. So look, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So one of the things that I've found um, is, I think it, it's almost like a good marker, right? Of whenever if you're experiencing that, whatever it is that, that tensions or those, those pressures or you know, things in your head or, or different parts in your body, um, to me, it's a marker that um, things aren't flowing freely, <laughs> right? Because by the time you experience those type of sensations, you also, I think or or not always, but you you can you do also have times where you do experience just things flowing in your body and almost like an effortlessness. Um, and so to me, it's like, okay, that there, there's something. Somehow in my body, in my relationship to it, it's not a, like a cognitive sort of relationship. It's not, it's not a one-to-one relationship. It's like these uh, maybe subparts within yourself um, that, yeah, just don't know how to deal with this emotion. And, and I like Ted's suggestion about um, being aware of sort of, you know, maybe the, the sensations in your head and but also being aware of the sensations in your body. Because it does seem like, yeah, things kind of just have to move around. Like you know, it's like you have stuck energy, and somehow, if um, you have enough equanimity, you're also sort of, um, you know, you allow awareness to, you know, to pick pick up stuff. Um, that, that does seem to kind of loosen it, right? And then, and it loosens it, and then, of course, it moves, it changes, um, you know, until to the next, to the next sort of type of stuff right but anyway i experienced this a lot um and yeah you just sort of you know you kind of get used to it and it, and it does sort of over time change um to seem to be more lighter didn't there oh no i must have
0: Yes, you're still there. Sorry, I was muted, so I didn't respond. I was talking, but nothing was happening.
2: Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that's a long silence at the end. I, I guess I guess we must have cut out.
0: No, no, you just blew our minds. We were
2: all just like, whoa. Nah, well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> yeah. Thanks.
0: So, uh, should we go back to Andrea?
7: Uh, yeah, so um, I've also been dealing with some um, like for the past week or two, I, I've been in stage five. And and um, when I increase the clarity of the breath, uh, I get this like pressure in my nose and all this tingling around here, and this causes like the muscle in my chin like really contracts and I frown. And um, this, in like, it's not a problem uh, at the beginning, but when I'm frowning, like, for 10 minutes, it gets, like, the muscle gets tired and starts twitching. And also, I get hyper aware of my mouth, and I have to, like, swallow often and so on. And it's, it's actually quite a big distraction. And also, I'm not sure if I'm over-efforting or what? Because uh, also, there has been like some aversion rising, or maybe if this aversion is just uh, like a response to the, the muscle contracting, and I'm not exactly sure how to deal with that. So, should I just ignore it and just note the aversion and let it go and concentrate on the like breath or the sensations here? or maybe try to release. Like if I try to release the muscle, it just goes back, it, It's I can release it for like a second and then it contracts. And When I don't have those energetic sensations, the muscle doesn't contract. So I think it's not because I'm concentrating hard, but it's because the moment does, it's like a reflex. So yeah, and it's that? Awesome.
2: Well, I would, the first thing is just kind of let it be. <laughs> um and cause a lot of this stuff like they they work itself out um even if you say so yeah you said you were frowning for a long period of time um or, which then maybe leads to the sort of the tensing of the chin or something but um if you just kind of let it be and and see um if it you were kind of saying like it gets worse um, and kind of think, well, how bad, how, how worse can it be? How much can you frown, right? How much can, it think, can your chin sort of twitch? Um, and what my experience is with a lot of types of purifications, that was the first thing that came to my head was when I was hearing you, know, you it was like, oh yeah, that's, that's there's, you know, a purification type thing. Um, is it, it, it the experience kind of has to get stronger. Right, like it seems like it seems like it has to get stronger, stronger to like a critical mass, and then, then of course it could just completely pop or dissolve. Um, yeah. So, does that make sense, or what? What? Ma- what does that make sense?
7: Yeah, it actually it make makes a lot of sense. Uh, I was thinking that it's probably a purification. Um but I was wasn't exactly sure if I may be over efforting um because I've started using like intention a lot more to to like increase the clarity and uh to battle progressive subtle downness. So but I think it might be a purification.
2: Hmm. Well so and, and so I m I don't maybe I have a little bit of a bone to pick here with Ted, but <laughs> so, but I mean the one thing with the over efforting, um it's yes. I, I mean, I know, I noticed that um, like a lot of people are worried about that. Um, and I, I don't think it's something to, to worry so much about. Right. Cause I mean, yes, it's something to be aware of. And um, you know, if you, if you are um, sort of having a lot of effort and stuff, see if you can drop the effort, then do it. Yeah. Drop, drop the effort. But people, it seems like are worried about over-efforting and then they don't, know how they're doing it or why they're doing it, right? And then it's like um, it's, at that point in time, it's not helpful to even worry about the over-efforting. Um, and I think it's just it, it's good to just um, kind of practice trusting yourself a little bit more. So you have your practice and, and follow sort of the instructions of the practice or whatever, you know, whatever specifically you're specifically working on. If you're doing body scanning, sort of do the body scanning. Um, but just trust that, um, you know, I mean, see if you can drop any effort and stuff, but if you can't, like, don't worry too much about it. Um, and my experience is there's uh, the mind is very good at, um, sort of catching on or or picking up correlations, right? Things that that seem to come together, um, that arise together, but it's, you know, it'll assume of course the correlation of causation. Right. And so, yeah, maybe there's some sort of extra effort at this, at this moment in time, but that's not something that you're consciously doing. Maybe it's a sub mind who's kind of over efforting. And then actually at that point in time, the thing is just to uh, observe what that sub mind is doing or what that, that process, that's the process he is doing. Um, and just, so I'm kind of saying be mindful. Of it. And then so much of the stuff just kind of works its way out as, as you are watching it, you know, your, your reactivity, your reaction to it, um, feel you know, periodically see if you can relax a little bit, but if you can't just, okay, Well, I, I don't have control of it. I can't like make it go away. So just let it be, you know, but well, first let it come, let it be. And then eventually like have just the mindful awareness, relaxing around it. Um, you know, the, your mind sort of gets the message that, Oh, okay, well, Maybe, just maybe, I can relate different to this, and I, I I'm in relating different, all of a sudden, boom, it's gone.
7: <laughs> yeah, cool. That's uh, actually great advice. Um, so more like letting go of uh, control and just letting it be, and then it will slowly subside. So, yeah. Uh, I had also similar problems like a month or two back where my uh, head was really spasming out. And um, when I relaxed and just let it be, it uh, slowly disappeared. And also it was like related to some purifications. So yeah, thanks. Well,
2: and I think the secret sauce to all of this stuff or part of the secret sauce, you could say it's equanimity, but another way of putting it is... um, don't personalize sort of the experience, Uh, you know, like I am experiencing this. And actually when you're, when you're, you have the right sort of um, relationship to it, the right attitude, it's kind of just like it's happening. Um, and there, there, there could either be a sense of distance from it. That's one kind of, you know, spatial sense, spatial relationship sense. Like it could feel that way. Or another one is like, you're, you're so, um, almost merged with it right but in either case it's not like it doesn't feel like this thing is happening to me you know so um which something you have to fight against or something you seem like you're you're making happen it's just something that's, that's happening if that makes sense
7: yeah that that makes a lot of sense uh thank you
2: nice
0: yeah i mean i i don't really have anything to add to that. I think, you know, I tend to, I tend to come down on the side of, of uh, you know, being very careful about over-efforting, but that's because that's one of my problems, right? I tend to over-effort. Um, and uh, well, I think
2: and we know when we're
0: over-efforting, right?
2: Well, the, the, the challenges was people like, they're so used to over-efforting, like that's their default yeah and so <laughs> then it becomes how do i not do this thing that's my default right i mean it's good to be aware of it but not to i guess not yep. Yep. if you can't control it like i guess because then there could be you can add on to it and make it worse you're like oh my god wait a minute i think i'm over efforting but i don't know how to over how to not over effort and then they yeah, get I put
0: a lot of effort in and not over efforting yeah, yeah exactly exactly
7: i have this problem that um like if I don't apply a lot of effort, I feel like I'm just coasting through the meditation, and then strong dullness sets in. So I'm actually tr- applying intention to like be be really present with the breath and to increase the clarity. And like I'm not sure if if I'm if I I'm ba- if I balanced the effort and everything correctly. So yeah, that's like something that i have to work on
0: there may be a third thing to work on there which is um uh awareness so uh so it may be that that uh not not that you shouldn't be applying effort but also that one of the things that that creates dullness is uh when awareness is shrinks or becomes less clear and so So you may want to also have an attention to have awareness be bright and vivid uh, and detailed. Um.
7: Yeah, I um, actually, like I always had quite a good, um, I never had problems with with the awareness closing, but Mm -hmm. I still do some um, like checking in or checking out to see if uh, I have good uh, awareness and uh, I'm actually, More often, right now, checking in because I usually have awareness of surroundings, but not awareness of my body. So I'm working on that right now. Cool.
0: Okay. Well, we're.
2: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, ahead. cover. No, and just and that makes sense given your um the pain that you experience in your body. Yeah. Right. And um, one thing that I do want to say is that. In purification land territory, uh, oftentimes dull- dullness becomes a factor. <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah, you you might be struggling with dullness, or um, maybe you, you start to get start to get into purification, but then the, all this dull- dullness kind of comes out of out of nowhere. And I sort of I think it's important to know is because, um, you know, when you're in that sort of territory, when you start peeling back the dullness, like then you know, you peeling back to purification, in a sense, to the, to the stuff that, uh, the unpleasant stuff that you wanted to avoid or to not feel, to not experience.
0: That is a really good point, Gilbert. And actually, I'm going to add something to it, which is, um, this is something that I've done in practice. Um, there is a tendency when an unpleasant feeling occurs to, to for the mind to move away from it, um, and it can be really helpful instead to move towards it. So uh, and and I've even taken to using it as a gauge for how uh, how much dullness I have or how much how 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 little subtle dullness I have. Um, if I'm feeling pain in some part of my body, um, I will actually form an intention to feel more pain in that part of my body, uh, not not different pain, but just feel the pain feel that pain more clearly, because the the tendency is to do the opposite of that. And so uh, so. Since you have this issue with sciatica, Andrea, um, you might might want to try that and see what happens. Like, can you make the sciatica more clear? Can you make that feeling more clear? And what what effect does that have on the rest of your meditation? Um, You may find that that it actually gets right into what Gilbert was talking about.
7: Okay, I'll try that. Thank, thank, thank you both of you for uh, for the uh, insights. Oh yeah.
2: And one last thing with that, with that practice, um, particularly if you, if you suspect you might have a lot of purification in one area is, you know, don't, don't go uh, be gentle on yourself as you are sort of exploring, even as you're trying to feel it, feel it more, right. That is ultimately the route, right. You do want to get more and more in touch with your body, but just be, be gentle with yourself. And like, you know, you can always switch your practice, right. If, um, if it starts getting sort of overwhelming and, um, and it, when you're in sort of the, the territory of maybe purification stuff, um, that's the challenge. The challenge is sort of not getting overwhelmed, right? Particularly if it was something that you kind of, uh, avoided or had, you know, not the most helpful relationship to a long time for a long time. So yeah, be gentle with yourself and like, you know, you can, you could pace yourself and that's, that's good.
7: Yeah, that's good advice. All
0: right, so uh, we're we're running long today, which doesn't mean that that if you don't if you have some other burning question, you're welcome to raise it. Otherwise, I think it's probably time to close. Okay, uh, nothing hurt. Uh, So hopefully I will see some of you next weekend. Have a good week. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
4: Thanks. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.